Amen. Thank you, Kimberly. This is uh, February the 20th. Um, we're going to try, does everybody have a handout? Uh, it uh, looks kind of scant. The reason is, instead of having a lot of writing and then you fill in the blanks, I decided I would let you uh, put your impressions down about what these uh, outline items mean to you. Um, part of my master's preparation was education, and they told us that if somebody writes something, you know, put their own ideas down, they probably are more apt to remember, you know, what they put down. So, um, you know, when you're doing this, this, this outline is to serve you, not you serve the outline. So the basis of this is a dream that I had uh, a number of years ago, I believe it was uh, before 2019 BC, before COVID. So we, uh, we have a, a wonderful church here and what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about this specific church. If I refer to the church, I'm talking about the church at, at large. Uh, and this is all based on a dream that I had, but it, uh, the, the basis of the dream is, as Jesus told his disciples, uh, in my house are many mansions or many dwelling places. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. So the dream, uh, I knew it was a God dream right in the first part of the dream when, when I was like coming in for a landing on the porch of a little small house. I'm sure each of you have uh, been in a certain parts of town where there's been a mill or a factory and the, the mill workers live in these little small houses in walking distance to, to the mill. And where I lived in Fayetteville, uh, there was a big Burlington mill and there were these little houses just like the one I saw in the dream. They were very simple. Uh, this particular house that I saw was a little white wood frame house with a, with a porch and, of course, the, the gray painted floor of the porch. And it was like one step up and you're on the porch. So I, I'm standing on this porch and I, I noticed that it, the house had been freshly painted. The interesting thing about it was that usually when, when painters come, they spend maybe a whole day prepping the house, uh, scraping where the paint has bubbled up and uh, a process called feathering where you sand around the, the edges and, and you can't tell where the new and the, the, the paint that sticks, they paint over it. And they put a primer coat and they do all this preparation. Well, what I saw was a house that nobody did that. They just put paint over it. And um, I want you to think through this and, and, and go with this metaphor. That, that's what the way Jesus taught. He taught in, in parables and metaphors or symbols. And the, the topic is, if you look at your outline, parable of the church house. So this looked like a house. So 
I looked at the door like, I guess I'm going to go in, and the door opens by itself. Well, that's interesting. I walk in the door, and instead of seeing a, a, a little simple household uh, where in these houses, I've been in those houses uh, when I was a rehab counselor with services for the blind. I had a client that was working in that textile mill and was going blind, and um, I went and did a home visit and met with him and his wife and um, was helping him through the uh, what he was going through in regard to his vision loss. Very simple, neat and clean interior. When I walked in this house, it was an oval-shaped foyer that was like, it looked like it was bigger on the inside of the house than the outside of the house. And I'm, I'm saying, wow, it's oval-shaped. And it's not a one-story foyer. It's a two-story foyer. It's actually bigger than the inside of the house. And I'm, and I'm puzzling about this, and I, I notice that I'm looking around, and I look up, and instead of an elegant crystal chandelier that you would see in a, in a mansion, it was like a little 20-watt light bulb just screwed into an outlet or socket or whatever up in the, the ceiling. And this has really got me puzzling now. And I said, Lord, where am I? He said, this is my church. Now, I want you all to be thinking now about what I've been describing and put your impressions down. Remember, we're not talking about river of life. We're talking about, you know, the body of Christ. Maybe you could even put yourself, you know, we are the, the temple of the Holy Spirit, aren't we? Is that true? So maybe it's referring to me. Uh, I look around. To the left is a door that looks like it might be a, a coat closet. So I walk over to, to open that door, and it opens all by itself. And I look in there, and it's a sanctuary with a very... Um, they call it institutional green. It's a real relaxing shade of green. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And it was matching carpet, green carpet, and white trim, and these white sheer curtains. And the windows were, were white, and, and the windows were frosted. You couldn't see out of the windows. And um, the thing that really got my attention was instead of pews like you usually see in a church, there were these white folding wooden chairs like you see at a funeral. Like at the graveside, there'll, there'll be these wooden chairs, these wooden small folding chairs. So, you know, I, I was pondering that. So I went back out into the foyer and I noticed, if you can imagine the, um, the foyer, like this, there was molding, fancy wooden woodwork going in a stair-step pattern up the side of this curved wall, and there was a little door, uh, probably about maybe three, three or four feet tall, 
just the outline of where a door would be. Well, usually in mansions, the bedroom is upstairs. So uh, I didn't, I, I didn't, I couldn't go up because there were no stairs. It looked like there should have been some stairs there, but in the natural, there were no stairs. But, you know, people usually associate uh, the bedroom in their house as a kind of a personal place that, you know, you don't show your friends around when you, you know, you they come and visit you. You don't show them your bedroom. Um, it's a personal place, and it's, I didn't see what the interior looked like because that that was uh, something that I'll leave up to your imagination, what, what your bedroom looks like or where your place of intimacy with the Lord is. It could be anywhere. It may be your bedroom. It may be a, um, a little uh, study that you have off to the side. It could be a... Um, a little place under your staircase. That that special place where I mean, some people have that intimate time walking, you know, out in the woods or whatever. So then I, I look look back down, and uh, I look to the right, and there's another door. So I'm thinking, oh, I wonder what this is. So I turn. And I walked toward the door, and I was about to reach out. It was like the doors reading my mind like the other doors. It opened. And here is a, an elegant butler's pantry that had drawers and uh, counters and cabinets with glass um, doors. And you could see all of this exquisite china that you would... Uh, have at the most elegant banquet that royalty would be served. Um, again, it was like this, this, this whole house is reading my mind. Uh, it's similar to accounts I've heard of people being in heaven. Uh, I remember Dr. Eby, I saw at a meeting one time that when he went up to heaven, he saw these beautiful flowers and he said, I, I would like to to see those, and they next thing he knew, they were in his hand. So it's like I would I would kind of be thinking, I wonder what's in this drawer, and the drawer would be opened, it would open itself, and there was this these beautiful linens, like linen napkins, and and things that you would set a table with, and another drawer would have beautiful um, flatware, you know, the the very finest, elegant. Uh, Sterling silver spoons, any kind of for any kind of meal you'd want, you know, with all these forks and stuff on both sides, and beautiful china and anything that you would need to outfit an elegant banquet. It was just extravagant, beyond anything I'd ever seen. And I've seen some pretty silverware. My my, my wife picked up some beautiful patterns of silver in China when we got married. Funny thing about it, we didn't use it a whole lot. It's scared, scared you're going to mess it up, you know. But Then at the end of this uh, butler's pantry, there's another door. 
So I'm walking toward this door, and it opens up, and there's this elegant banquet hall with the very finest hand-carved chairs and the banquet table. The legs were massive. It, it reminded me of my, my wife has an uh, uncle in Williamston who is very well off, and we went over and visited. We walked in the living room, and there was Al Capone's grand piano, and he showed us in one of the rooms. He has President Polk's bed, which it's a poster bed that the, the posts are probably eight inches in diameter with, with very, very high-relief uh, carving uh, tobacco leaves, cotton blooms, and corn corn cobs, which was the three main cash crops in, in, in the, uh, the beginnings of our country, and you'll see that in the, the decorations in Washington, D.C., in the old buildings. Those motifs will be carried through in the architecture. So this was, it, it just put that to shame. It was just so elegant. And I looked down the expanse of this table, chairs on both sides, and the table was as I could not see the end of the table. It just kept going and going and going. And it reminded me of what Martin Luther King said in one, I think it was his, I have a dream speech or, or one of his speeches that he, he said, I have a dream that someday all of God's children will be sitting around the table and we'll be all equal. And this is, this is what, what I saw in, in God's, this, in this banquet hall. And if you think about this, uh, this dream that I, that I got from the Lord, it could be phases of your development as a Christian. It could be uh, where you are in your walk with the Lord. Um, I heard a minister talk one time. He said, you know, uh, I'm going to be sharing this message. And it's, it's kind of like Jesus is waiting on your front porch knocking on the door, waiting for you to open the door. And I think he was talking about opening your heart to the Lord. So let's not just think about a building. And I, I, I don't think God ever had the intention of inhabiting uh, structures of concrete and steel. What he wants is hearts of flesh uh, that, that are yielded to him. So what is it? Let's, let's, let's look at the, let's think about the exterior first. Uh, the, the scripture that I, I mentioned was John, um, fourth chapter of John, second verse. It said, you know, in, in my house are many mansions or dwelling places. So on number one, I want you to, if you want to write something down, you can now, or when you get home and you meditate on it some more, you can, you can make some notes. This is the, Ultimate flexibility is what this outline is all about. It's, it's mainly for you, for your use. And you write down what you think, you know, you need to keep on that. But does anybody have any ideas about the exterior? There, there's one thing that I didn't mention because I was going to save this to right before the discussion time. Another thing that I noticed in the picture was there was a, looked like a, a either a government building or a school. It was a brick building off to the left with a chain-link fence about five feet tall and maybe about 20 feet of grass 
that came right up to the property of this house, the church house. But as I've gone back to the Lord and meditated on this, it seems like that building has gotten bigger and bigger and the fence has gotten closer and closer onto the property. And it's the last time I saw this this uh, vision or dream was it was like instead of the fence being five feet tall, it was 20 feet tall and almost up against the house. And so... Um, does, does it, is anybody picking up on, on what I'm sharing about this? What does that say to you symbolically? A government building getting bigger and bigger and getting closer and closer to the church. Yeah, the government encroachment. The, the thing about separation of church and state, when that, that was formed it was the separation of the state away from the church in other words the church could run the state but the state couldn't run the church so what about what about shortcuts what does that what does that tell us painting over something without prepping it tim you've done that haven't you painted yeah doesn't work it might make a, a good first impression but Basically, we need to be prepared. That's, and I'm not talking about River of Life. I, I'm going to say that again. But there are probably some churches out there that are not prepared for what is about to come, this great revival that they, they're talking about. There are a lot of people talking more and more about this revival coming. Are we prepared? A am I prepared? So we've talked about the, um, the thing about being prepared, and I've got a scripture here now. I believe um, the, the first person that was going to read is uh, Kimberly. Can, can you do that, Hebrews? Say that again. Let us therefore... Come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Another translation says, when we go into the throne room accompanied by Jesus, we are assured of a glad welcome. So that, I think that's represented by the foyer. When you, um, when you go into a church, there's usually some kind of entry transition point, so... What, what is our foyer like? Uh, I want you to think about yourself instead of the church now. What kind of first impression do you give? Do, do, do people feel an invitation to Jesus around you? What kind of first impression? What about your attitude? What about the significance of an oval foyer? What does that, what does that say to you? Well, the, the reason the Oval Office is oval be, was because of George Washington. He thought it would be a, um, a very formal reception area for dignitaries of uh, other, other countries. So that's why our Oval Office is oval. And I think this, this thing about the foyer uh, talks about authority. 
you know, the uh, governmental authority that we have as Christians. What about the sanctuary? What, what did that say to you? Uh, we've got a reference here. Um, Norman, you've got the Jeremiah 12 and 14. Would you read those two verses? Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Then verse 14 says, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Um, I don't know how y'all got saved, but uh, at, at the time I got saved, I was in captivity. And so I can really relate to this. Um, and, and, and God's sanctuary can be anywhere you are and the Lord is, where you come to that point where you realize God sees me as he, in other words, God sees me and he knows what my needs are. I let him know, I tell him what my needs are. We, but also, there comes a point where we, we get to, God gives us the ability to see ourselves as he sees us. Um, a former country music singer, Bill Brock, wrote a song uh, after he realized the futility of all the money he made and all, he was sitting in a pile of money, throwing the money up in the air. And that's when he turned his life over to the Lord. And his song was, thank you, God, for what I mean to you. Thank you for what I mean to you, that you did, you did everything. All the suffering you did was, was for me. So um, when we're in that experience in the sanctuary, when we're Basically, <laughs> my sanctuary experience, I realized my way stunk, so I had to make some choices, and, and I did. I turned my life over to the Lord, and within a week, I had a job, and I got to go to prison. That's where I worked, and I was so on fire, on fire for the Lord. About a week later, I got a Jesus coloring book and some crayons in my mailbox and a little sticky note that said, if you don't do it, it won't get done. So I took that as a compliment. So we got a scripture reference here. Again, uh, if you'll read chapter 13, Norman, Jeremiah 29, 13. Go ahead. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. With all your heart. This is uh, that kind of like that place of intimacy I was referring to, like the bedroom. If you take the word intimacy and you slow the pronunciation down, it'll sound like this. Into me, you see. Intimacy. Into me, you see. And so we give God permission to, to look, in, look into our hearts and we seek him. And um, 
that's that that one-on-one kind of thing that uh, only you and God can do. So um, that's why it's important to have that that time with Him. Now we've got um, Kim. We got another reference here. Philippians four nineteen. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This is um, the um, scripture reference that, that pegs the equipping process in the butler's pantry. Um, I guess you could kind of tell. Does, it, does anybody have any comments about, about the butler's pantry? The thing, the thing I came away with was... Uh, God is well able to equip us for any task that he gives us. I love what Lorraine said about you're not chosen because you're qualified. When you're chosen, then you become qualified. So God qualifies us with the anointings and, and the uh, whatever we need. He will supply all of our riches. Uh, it reminds me of a uh, a, a vision I saw of the angels up in the uh, storehouse in heaven, and they were running around grabbing these words. I couldn't I couldn't read the words, but they were like um, had a thing. It said "dream." You remember the bookcase? It had the the letters that were all together. It was like words, I guess, in in other tongues, and they were taking those words and. They would just throw them through the floor of heaven and they would go down to earth and manifest. I believe to some extent that may be how it works. I don't know exactly how it works, but I'm not supposed to figure all that stuff out. But I've seen it work in my life and I'm sure you have too in you know, getting answers to prayer. So um, that's, that's what the, um, the uh, butler's pantry. And, and also, let's, let's take a look at the uh, Brenda, we got our final reference here, Brenda. Yeah, it's uh, Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Yeah. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. The um, the fruit of the spirit is really, I believe, one of the things that God does not only to help us and equip us in ministry, but also attracts other people. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be around negative people. And we were talking about that before the session. That there's a, a three pry bars that the devil uses to pry us away from our faith. Y'all remember us talking about that? Drama, dissension, and division. Uh, when you got the fruit of the Spirit going for you, that's probably not going to happen. So, uh, the, the item number seven, where do we go from here? I think that has to do with destiny. Our final reading, Norman. 
Jeremiah 29, 11. 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's good. I heard a, a preacher say the other day, one of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit is to help us not give up. I think one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to transform your nopes into hopes. And that basically um, following the acronym of joy, uh, uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, who was paralyzed in a diving accident when she was 17 years old, quadriplegic for the rest of her life, said joy is not restricted to what God does for you and what he doesn't do for you. Because think of what would have happened if she had not had that accident. She is a world-famous advocate for people with disabilities. She has done a lot of good. She has turned that lemon into lemonade. And that's the, the JOY acronym, J-O-Y, stands for Jesus, Others, and You. That's the priorities that we should be first concerned with Jesus, others, and then me last. So I leave you with this thought, and this thought is a question, and my clients, I used to tell my clients, you know, uh, I ask thought-provoking questions, and one smart guy said, well, no, they're just provoking. But anyway, I want you to think about this. What house do you live in? Yesterday, today, or tomorrow? Any questions, comments, or smart remarks? Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Holy Spirit, I ask that you enliven these words and bring them back to our memory when we have our quiet time. Would you bring them back to life for us? And, and every one of these ideas are like a ship being launched. This is not just an event today. This is the beginning of a dialogue, a beginning of a dialogue with you. And we ask that you just continue to keep this going. And we just thank you and give you the praise and the glory that you deserve in Jesus' name.